You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Welcome to Solid Ground, where we're really polished. <laughs> Welcome, you guys. How are we doing, 8 o'clock service? We doing all right? Dang. You guys are caffeinated. Wow. Wow. Man, we're going to have some fun today. Hey, before we get going, I just want to recognize it is Memorial Day weekend, and as a church, we want to stop. Um, and uh, like Josh said earlier, we're so thankful for the men and women who've given their lives for us to have the freedom that we have. But let's just recognize that, that when someone leaves this earth, they leave people behind, people who feel their loss. Um, and so can we just for a second, just as a group, stop and pray uh, for the family, loved ones, uh, of those who have given their all for our country? Is that okay? We're just going to stop for a second. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for the fallen. We thank you for, for what they've done for us. And Lord, right now, we, um, we ask you, bring healing um, to their loved ones, bring comfort. Um, Holy Spirit, one of your titles in the scriptures is that you are a comforter. And so, Lord, we pray for, for comfort for them now. Um, that as they mourn, um, they would know that they're not alone and that their loved one did not die in vain. We ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So look, uh, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open up to Genesis chapter 31. I want to just, uh, before we get going too far, let you know, we're going to be flipping across three chapters of Scripture today. So if you're like, man, why is he going so fast? It's because it's a big story. That's why we're going so fast. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it on the screen in just a minute. But we are in this series right now called From Jacob to Israel. What we've been doing as a church is we've been working through the book of Genesis. And so we started way back in January. We looked at the creation of the world. We looked at the fall. We've been seeing these stories are so foundational uh, for our faith. And so we'll actually, we'll wrap up this series in a few weeks when we finish the book of Genesis, which is insane to think about. Um, then I'm gonna go on sabbatical for a little bit and uh, be back at the end of the summer and we're gonna have some guest speakers and it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, but we're wrapping up this series in just a few weeks and here's where we are in the, the Jacob story. So Jacob, his name means deceiver, right? That's, that's who Jacob uh, is when we meet him at the beginning of this story. He is a guy that's all about getting the blessings of God and really the blessings that belong to his brother. And so he's got a twin brother, Esau, and Jacob tricks his brother Esau basically out of everything. He gets Esau to give him his birthright. He tricks their father into giving him the blessing instead of Esau. And then Esau doesn't take too kindly to that. Esau uh, decides, I'm going to kill my brother. And Jacob's mom goes, listen, um, you need to get out of town. And so Jacob flees. He goes to uh, his uncle Laban's house. There he gets married. And we saw last week, this crazy story of how he marries not one, but two women, these two sisters, Leah and Rachel, crazy drama. Game of Thrones has nothing on this story. And, um, and, uh, and then, so that story wraps up and then check this out. They just have so, so, so many babies, just, just all the babies. They have so, like, there are just so many children that, that, that Jacob uh, and, and his wives begin to, to bring into the world. And that's where our story picks up. And so Jacob, he's living far away. He's starting a family, really big family. And then, and then in the middle of all of that, 
the Lord who, who has appeared to him earlier and told him, like, listen, I'll be there for you. I'll bless you. I'll take care of you. The Lord brings word to Jacob. And so in Genesis 31 and verse three, it says this. It says, then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives and I will be with you. And there is not a more scary command that God could give him. Because for Jacob to go back, it means he's going back to Esau, who wants to murder him. And God says, all right, I'll be with you. And let's just check something. How many of you have learned this? Um, the, the longer I, I walk with the Lord, the, the more I see this to be the case. It's usually the places that I fear to go is exactly where God calls me. Have you, have you learned that? If, if you haven't, just give it time, man. It's one, of, it's one of like, like maybe, usually, I'm not saying be reckless or anything, but I, I've just noticed that there's this thing about the Holy Spirit where he loves to really just stretch us and pull us out of our comfort zone. And so that's exactly what he's doing here with Jacob. He goes, all right, listen, go to the land of your fathers and I'll be with you. And so Jacob's like, oh man, okay. And so Jacob, who's a really smart guy, he develops a plan. He says, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send word ahead of me to my brother Esau. Maybe I can sort of cool him down a little bit. And so I'll let him just know. And then, and this will just be kind of like a sign of respect. I'll soften him up a little bit. So I'll be like, hey, I'm coming back. I just want you to know, basically, you know, like, I just want to give you work. And I think you're so great. So listen, you just, I'm just going to let you know I'm coming back into town. And so Jacob, he sends word ahead of him. And then he tur- it turns out like the, 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 the uh, messengers come back. They're like, so we went and talked to your brother Esau. And Jacob's like, yes, how did it go? And they went, well, he's amassing an army of 400 guys and preparing to meet you. And Jacob's like, Oh, okay. Um, all right. Uh, and so Jacob now is terrified. And the reason that he's terrified is because Esau wants to kill him. And now Esau has an army, which means Esau could very easily kill him. And so our story continues in Genesis 32. So Jacob freaks out. He prays this to God in Genesis 32, 9. He says, then Jacob prayed, oh God of my father, Abraham, God of my father, Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, Go back to your country. God, don't you remember what you said to me? Like things aren't going well, but, but this is your idea. You said, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy, he says. Next part. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. And we're beginning to understand something about Jacob. That over this time, over this breaking process, when, when Jacob has been tricked himself, when he's lost everything, God has begun to soften his heart. And so Jacob, who was all about de- like desperation, just getting the blessings of God, now he's finally looking back at God and he's going, I, I don't deserve what you've given me. I'm unworthy of the faithfulness you've shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan. You guys remember that story all those weeks ago where he lays his head down on a rock. He didn't even have a pillow. He sleeps with his head on a rock. Jacob's like, all that I had was my staff, but now I have become two camps. He's got all this wealth. He's got all this stuff. There's just so much to his name. And so he says, save me, I pray from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. Huh. And then he says, lastly, but you've said, God, I, I remember, you've said, I will surely make you prosper and I will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. And so basically here's where Jacob is. He's going, he's going all right, I could die at any moment, but God, you said, 
that my descendants would, would just multiply everywhere. And so, and so here's what he does. It's this, it's this moment of desperation. And I don't know if you've ever had that, that, that time in prayer where basically where you are, is, it's just, there's this guttural sort of savage prayer out loud where you're just like, God, I don't like, if you're not here with me, I'm not gonna make it. If you ever had that moment, don't raise your hand, it'd be weird. Well, like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where like, it's just one of those things where, okay, I, like, I have no idea how we're gonna go forward. I have no idea what's gonna happen. And God, if you're not with me, we will not go for it. I'm not going to make it. And even though you said, and even though you said you'd be with us, if you're not right now, I'm going to die. My kids are going to die. My wives are going to die. Everything will fall apart. And you encounter moments like this. Look, just, your walk with Jesus, while wonderful, that, that will bring you peace, and joy that no one can take away from you. It won't be without trial. Um, and you're going to find this, that there are these moments in life where all you can basically do is throw yourself on the mercies of God. I had a moment like that that was very public. Like you guys were aware of this a little bit more than a year ago. My, my niece was in a really, really serious car accident. Um, and we didn't know if she was going to live. I mean, there, there were like, it was a couple weeks she wasn't conscious. I mean, there was bleeding on her brain. It was really, really scary. And I can't tell you how many times, like, during that, that me and, and so many members of our family, like, all we could basically do was just cry out to God in desperation. Like, we had no assurance of anything that she would be okay. And so we're just like, God, like, I, I, if you don't show up, I, I don't know what is going to happen. Like, please, I'm begging you. And what you're going to discover, by the way, is that those types of prayers aren't a chore to God. They're actually his favorite kind. And we'll see that in this story. And so Jacob, he... um. He still has no word like that anything is going to go okay. Esau is coming forward. And so Jacob goes, all right, listen, here's what I can do. Here's what I can do. I'll divide up the camp. Okay, so, so you know, we've got riches. We've got, you know, all these like herds of animals. We've got all this stuff. And then we've got uh, the, the women and the children. So here's what we will divide the camp in two. That way, if Esau goes after one, at least the other will be spared. Not everybody can be killed if we separate everybody. And so he separates the camps and he goes, all right, maybe at least this way someone will be spared. And so it says in Genesis 32, verse 22, and that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11, yeah, I told you a lot of babies, 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And it says this, after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possession. So here's what we're finding narratively. Basically, Jacob is going back to square one. It's almost bookending. So that like, if, if his story on his own really began with him having nothing, this moment is going to be him having nothing again. And so like, he's sending away all these blessings that God has given him. And so it says this. It says, so Jacob was left alone. That's exactly why it's there. Okay. We are meant to see that just as Jacob before, when God showed up, was on his own with, with no sort of defense, with no sort of uh, material or, or even a person to his name. That's where he is again. He's lost everything again. And in the middle of all this prayer, in the middle of all this fear and all this craziness and, you know, like anxiety, what will happen? The weirdest thing happens. So he's left by himself. And we would expect that this would be this moment where like a, a ray of light shines down from heaven. And God says, Jacob, why dost thou not trust me, right? But that's not what happens. 
He's by himself, and then look at this, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Meaning he's left alone in the camp at night, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, an unidentified man shows up and attacks him. I mean, what? It's crazy. And, and, the, and this guy, and here's the thing that I love about this moment is that this moment is prayer personified. Right? We're basically like, like Jacob, he's wrestling internally with, is God going to be there? And will God be with me? And how, how will we make it or whatever? But now here's this other guy that he's having to fight for his life with. And he's like, it's, it's his prayer lived out in the physical world. And he's like, like, how? I mean, like, shouldn't God do this deal where it's not a struggle at all? And I just pray and everything goes away. No, man. No. Haven't, like, haven't you, like, like, again, with prayer, isn't there, there's just this thing, and, and Jesus talks about this in the Gospels, where he says, like, you know what prayer is like? Prayer is like a persistent widow who keeps just begging a judge to, to bless her and do right by her. Like, and, and that's, this, that's this. It's not just prayer is always this one and done deal. Sometimes, sure. But so often what happens is this. In our prayer lives, as things don't go the way that we want them to, we go to the Lord and we begin to wrestle and we're formed in that wrestling. We begin to relate to God more. It's kind of like this. Um, couple e- or a couple uh, weeks ago, I got an email from a guy uh, in Virginia Beach. What's up, Ben, if you're watching? Um, who, uh, who you know, he's been watching our church stuff and that's kind of neat. And he sent me this question I thought was really, really good. He said, um, he said, well, listen, if God's in control, why do we pray? Right, like, like if, if, God, if God is sovereign, and I believe that he is, and you know, if God uh, like cannot be overpowered, and it's not like God is you know, tricked or like, learns new information, why do we pray? And I think, I think the answer is this. Um, because prayer, it's not just that in praying we bring about the kingdom of, of God on the earth. And we do. Like, like when we pray, heaven, like God moves things, God changes things. There is not such a thing as a wasted prayer. It just isn't. But, the other part of prayer is this. Prayer invites us into relationship with our heavenly father. And so God allows us to be part of what he is doing. You know, so it'd be kind of like this. Um, in our house, we, we, we have a thing that my boys and I do. Um, and, and I got this from, from my dad. Uh, we like to wrestle. Like, like we just kind of like in this story, like, like we like to wrestle. In fact, when I get home some days, I'll walk in the door and my kids are playing and I'll just look at them and I'll go, woo, woo, here comes the pain train, right? And, and, and they, instantly, they instantly drop, they know what's about to happen, right? And then like they're jumping up on me and, we're, and I'm body slamming them onto the couch because they're light and I can do it. I feel really manly when I do. But like, uh, but like, you know, like we're wrestling around and darn it, wouldn't you know it, they always pin me. Like they're, just, they're, just so, they're just so quick and strong. They always get me down. And you know how I wrestle with them? Really, it's not because I take pleasure in overpowering a seven and five-year-old. That's not it. In fact, if I do, I'm a really bad father. No, but you know what it is? I relate with them in those moments. We connect and we grow in our relationship with each other. In, In the same way, when you and I pray, God invites us to the match, or, or if that's a little too on the nose for you, he invites us to the dance. He invites us to partake with him, to move with him, to experience and relate with him. And so here's this moment in this Jacob story where Jacob is wrestling this guy 
uh, until daybreak, meaning, okay, like through the night, this, this isn't just like a couple minutes deal where this guy shows up, Jacob's like, want to wrestle? That's weird. Nobody did that back then, all right? No, like it's an, it's, an, it's an attack, all right? And they're fighting through the night. And look at this, verse 25, and when the man, and we still have no idea who he is, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, and I want to pause here on, on this word right here. Overpower, not in the sense of like physically master. It's why your translation might say uh, prevail against. Now, it's, again, it's not about Jacob being stronger than this guy. We know that because of the next half of the same sentence, okay? It's this idea of when Jacob is wrestling this guy, the guy sees that Jacob isn't going to let go, that Jacob isn't going to stop. He's not going to back off. And so, okay, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wretched as he wrestled with the man. <laughs> Meaning, okay, so like in one moment, the guy sees Jacob isn't backing off, and so he goes, all right, I'll make it worse. And he just touches Jacob's hip, and when he does it, now Jacob has a limp, and he can't walk on it. But still, Jacob's holding on to him. He's not going to let go. And that is prayer, right? Like how many of you have had that moment? Okay, and again, I'm not saying that it's always going to just work out the way that we want. Okay, like you're praying, you're praying like, God, where are you? And this just seems to go from bad to worse. Like it seems just sort of to go downhill a little bit. Okay, and just be aware that does not mean that God doesn't hear you or that God isn't walking with you. He's refining you more. He's molding you more. He's drawing you closer to him more. So here we see in this moment, okay, Jacob's holding on to this guy now. He can't even stand up and you kind of need to be able to stand up if your brother is attacking you with 400 guys. But he's holding on. And so the man says to him, verse 26, then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. Now, we've talked about this before, how God, uh, typically throughout the scriptures, you'll find he speaks to people where they are and doesn't always correct their theology, right? There are times where God will show up in a situation and he'll just sort of, he'll just give them a little bit of leeway. This is an instance of that where in, in the ancient Near East, ancient Canaan, where, where Jacob uh, and his story come from, they had a belief that like deities would show up at night. And, and why? I don't know. They're ancient world. But okay, they believe like, you know, the, the gods would show up at nighttime and then the sun would rise and the God would go its merry way. And so here's this guy and he's going like, you gotta let me go. The sun is coming up. Again, is that true of God? No. Is God Batman? Of course not. He can be out in the daytime too. All right. I'm a nerd. But anyway, okay, it's one of those deals. All right. And so God just, he just, he, he, get, he meets Jacob where he is. He says, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, and I love this line, I will not let you go unless you bless me. God, I'm hanging on. I, listen, I will like, like prayer is kind of, um, it's like a mechanical bull. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever seen that? Like, okay, right, or you see the movie Roadhouse or you've gone to the state fair, right? they have a big mechanical bull where the person just sits on it and the whole goal is to not be thrown off. That's like, that's what it is. We're, okay, a rodeo. You're familiar with the concept, all right? Okay, look, the same deal here. I'm not letting go. You can, like, you can throw me around. You can thrash me back and forth, but I will not let you go unless you bless me. And again, the, the theologians in us may have a problem with this because we might go, well, who is he to dare ask such a thing? To which I'd say, yeah, you're probably right. But you find God meeting him where he is again. So God goes, and he, by the way, he doesn't know that it's God yet. He goes, okay, all right. And so it says, the man asked him, 
what's your name? He said, Jacob. Now, this is a big moment because essentially what he's doing is this. He's owning what he's done. Right. If Jacob means deceiver, trickster, one who grasps at the heel, you know, the, the one who, who uh, supplants and steals from others, for him to go to a stranger, like, okay, this, this is who I am. And again, name is bigger than just a sound that we make when we, when we address someone. Biblically speaking, and certainly in Genesis, this idea is it represents who the person is. And so we see him owning to this man who he actually is. No more lies. No more trickery. No more sort of polishing it to, to spin the story in his favor. No, no. I'm Jacob. I'm, I'm a deceiver. But look at this. And the man said, no, not anymore. Your name will no longer be Jacob. I mean, that, that was your story, but I've got something else for you. Your name will no longer be deceiver, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Your, your name will no longer be deceiver. I'm gonna call you something else. In, in essence, I'm going to change your story. Okay. Um, it's in this, like when you ever find this, like there are these moments in the Bible where people's names are changed by God um, and, and you see Christ do this with his disciples as well. What he's doing is he's actually changing their character. And so, and so God in renaming Jacob, he's telling him, listen, you're gonna be a new man. Let me tell you who you are. And so, okay, if Jacob means deceiver, what does Israel mean? And, and there's, there's a division of thought, but really, really simplistically uh, in Hebrew, Israel, um, it, it just simply means this, God fights. God fights. And, and you can parse it in different ways. And so scholars degree, so some people will be like, well, it means like, he, no, like he fights with God. Maybe sometimes. Like God fights for them or struggles with God. Maybe. I think in context of this, uh, as we're going to see, God fights is a better reading of it. And the reason I think that is this. We're going to learn something. That basically, here's what God is saying. Okay, you've been fighting for yourself this entire time. Now I fight for you. You've been trying to establish yourself and your identity and your name and your life, but no, 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 no. Now, now you're going to be established in me. Israel, God fights and he's changing not just what Jacob has done, but who Jacob is. God fights. He fights on his behalf. He fights for him. He goes ahead of him. He trans, I mean, like just, and you're going to see, I mean, like, goodness gracious, as, as we talk about the Israelites, the people of God who come from this guy, I mean, is there a more fitting name? Like, like that God fights for them. I mean, that is the rest of the Old Testament narrative. And okay, do they, are there times they struggle with God? Absolutely. And so maybe that fits as well. Maybe there's a, a generality to the name so that you can, you can read it in these different ways. God is really smart. He could do that. But regardless, in this instance, God fights. And I think it's interesting, by the way, that, okay, the, the, what God says to me is, all right, listen, you have prevailed against God and against humans. Like you've made it through, you've held on, even though everything has been thrown against you. And God basically tells him uh, that he's given him victory. But here's the, the interesting thing, is that God gives him a unique definition of victory. All right, that is, that is to say like, when he talks about like you, you, you have struggled against God and humans, you would think it would be a deal where it's like, okay, like, and you prevailed because you're so much stronger, you took them down. But really like victory as defined in this story is holding on to God. 
Like that's like Jacob, he doesn't actually win the match. It's not like he takes him down to the to the dirt and like pin two, three. Like there's none of that. Like he doesn't elbow drop him or anything. Like it's just he like he the only thing that he does in this story is he hangs on to God. And that's exactly what we should do. Hang on to the Lord. It's one of these deals where where the thing that defines Jacob is not his own strength, but his ability to not give up on God. And we, have, we will have those moments as well. And, and let me just challenge us to hang on. That, that sort of moment of like, no, God, I'm not backing down on this. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, like, you know, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen with my job. Okay, like, I have a loved one who just, their life is falling apart and they're killing themselves with this. Like, God, I'm not backing off on this. It's that type of, like, I'm hanging on to you because I can't let go. That's exactly what we should do as well. You see how Jacob's, his interaction here is just prayer personified? I mean, it really, really is. And so God tells him, all right, listen, your name will no longer be Jacob. From Jacob to Israel. Your name will now be Israel. And what does Jacob do with that? Well, look at this, verse 29. It says, Jacob said, well, please tell me your name. <laughs> and I love this part. But he, th- this unnamed man just goes, why do, you need, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him. In other words, Jacob's going, like, well, yeah, but who are you? But who are you? And, and now as the sun is rising, Jacob can see his face a little bit. And the man just turns and goes, you know who I am. Jacob, why are you asking my name? You know exactly who I am. And that's why Jacob, look at this, the very next part. It says, Jacob called the place Peniel, which means uh, face of God. Saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So, like, so, okay, what happened? And he goes, oh my gosh, I was talking with God. I was wrestling with God. I was interacting with God. I didn't even realize it. (laughs) It says, then the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hips. So now we've got this epic moment. Oh my gosh, guys, this is the stuff like movies are made of where, where the sun is coming up, all right? Jacob's walking up the hill. He can sort of see out ahead of him the armies of Esau. He can see his family like separated, right? And now he's walking into the fire and he can't even walk. He's just kind of like limping. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I mean, like he's banged up. He has no weapons. He has, he has nothing to him. But the only thing that's making him go forward is he knows that he's been blessed by God. And, and if I could for just take a moment um, and recognize something, how many of us, okay, if, if we could, how many of us, when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to his presence and power in our lives, let's just own this, how many of us want the blessing, but we don't want the limp? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, how many of us, like, God, I, you know, I, just, I give my life over to you, but also if you can make it so nothing bad happens, that would be great. Well, God, you know, Lord, I, I want to trust you with my future, and I think you're so great, and, and, and I believe wherever you take me is fantastic as long as you didn't take me there. Like, we want the blessing, but we don't want the limp. We want the sort of, um, we want the sort of shininess with none of the scars, but we don't understand that the scars form us. Jacob, in order for him to get where he actually is supposed to go, in order to actually watch God do something crazy in this story, he only gets there with a limp. The only thing that actually makes him be formed, the only thing that lets him or makes him let go of his deception is the pressing of losing everything and surrendering it over to God, handing it over to him. And for us, we just have to understand that. And I know that, listen, please, I'm not trying to be callous about pain. Like I'm really, really not. Pain is awful. 
And there's going to come a day where God wipes every tear from our eyes and it's going to be amazing. But in the interim, you would just be amazed at the truth that God never wastes a hurt. And he forms us in these moments, these moments of disappointment, these moments of despair, these moments of, of trial and tribulation. Like, oh man, like I, I poured myself into this business and it went under. Yeah, but here's all these ways that you've learned about who you actually are and how your worth is not wrapped up in success. Okay, well, I, you know, I, I, I was in love and, and we were married and, and then my spouse left me and took the kids and goes, yeah, yeah, I know. And, and I hate that that happened, but I, I just need you to know for the first time in your life, you're gonna understand how, how a human being cannot satisfy the longings of your heart. I mean, just, just watch. Like, okay, there, there are all these things. And again, it's not that God's like, you know, just suck it up, daffodil. He's not saying that. But he just molds us through them in ways that, that I, I, I just, I'm not aware of how we could get through life and be changed into the likeness of Christ. That's why Paul talks about, he says like, listen, I partake in the sufferings of Christ. There's something about this where as we experience it, and I'm not like, so, you know, suffering for everybody, yay. No, I hope your life is awesome and that you never have to be hurt. Me too. But look, there is something about it where when we experience scars, it forms us to be more like Jesus. And if you have a faith that thinks, I just pray hard enough, I'll never have a problem. There's just something I need you to know. And it's this, you were never promised a life without suffering. You were promised a God you can lean on through it. And that's what you see in this story. Jacob is walking with a limp. For the rest of his life, he will walk with a cane. And he'll lean on it. And every time he leans against that thing, he's going to remember something. I got this from God who's with me. Okay, I, like my life is not what I wanted it to be, but, but the, I, you know, in every moment, every action that I take, I recognize my dependence on God. And by the way, in a culture that says faith is a crutch and they use that as an insult, let me clarify. Faith is absolutely a crutch. Yep. And everybody's got a crutch. Everybody's leaning on something. So if, you, if you're like, well, no, no, like faith is a crutch and you would say that you're an, like you're an atheist, you're a free thinker and you go like, you're leaning on this God to make you feel better. You lean on science that you can't prove and have no hope whatsoever. That's your crutch. I lean on a God who I can prove and show within creation and I, and I have hope for the future. Yeah, that's my crutch and I think mine is better than yours. <laughs> Nobody walks without a crutch. And we see that in Jacob. He's leaning on God. And so our story continues. Chapter 33, Jacob looked up and there was Esau coming with his 400 Man, and so Jacob, the last, okay, like he divides the children among Leah and Rachel and see if he wants to serve us. Like, guys, you gotta go get out of here, okay? And, and here it is. It's this moment. Jacob is walking into it. He can't defend himself. He's just going towards the horde. And so verse two, it says, he put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear because Leah, or I mean, because Rachel and Joseph are his favorites. So he's like, Chances are good they're way back here. Like if, if, if swords start swinging, they'll be okay at least. And he's again, not perfect guy. <laughs> But that's what he's thinking. I never said he was perfect, all right? But look at this moment. He himself went on ahead. And so now, okay, remember Jacob, who's all about stuff, who's all about acquiring things for himself. Now he puts everything behind him and goes, if anybody's gonna die today, it's gonna be me. He is not the guy we met all those years ago. 
So he went and he bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. And there's a couple different schools of thought. It might be an act of reverence, like him bowing down and being like, you know, Esau, I wronged you and I'm sorry. It could be this, that in lowering himself, here's the funny thing about it. If you lower yourself, you are defenseless. And so what he's saying is like, you can kill me. Okay. Whatever it is, he bows down seven times he, and he offers this. Okay, he puts his family behind him. And so now here it comes. Here comes the moment. So Esau's got the army and look at this. But Esau ran to meet Jacob. And so Esau goes, I can't even wait. Like, stay here. I got him. Okay, there's nobody with Jacob. Esau comes running up. And you know, here it goes. It's about to go bad real quick. And so here it is. Look at this. Look at this. And embraced him. Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him and they wept. I mean, that is so out of left field. We have nothing in the preceding chapters to tell us that this is Esau's heart at all. And this moment where you would think, okay, gosh, it's just gonna go so south. It turns out that behind the scenes, while Jacob was wrestling with God, Unbeknownst to him, God was doing something in Esau's heart. He had no idea. I mean, he had absolutely no idea. So they, they get back together and Esau, he's like, you know, like, who are these kids, man? And he's like, you know, they're mine. And they, and they have this reunion. And Jacob's like, listen, I, I just want to give you, listen, I took so much from you. Like, let me give you all this stuff. And Esau's like, no, man, I don't need it. You keep it. It's fine. No, I want you to have it. No, I shouldn't have it. And like back and forth. Right? Like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's this really, really touching moment where these brothers are reunited and we have no explanation other than God. Like there is no like, then Esau recognized he had been impulsive and said to himself, verily, Jacob, thou art the right one. Like there's none of that. It's just, he runs up and hugs him. And the thing that I remember is this, well, why? Well, because Israel, God fights. God did something in Esau. Listen, if it was about Jacob's strength, there would be bloodshed. But God did something ahead of him. And look, I don't know what your future holds. What I'm not saying is like, so you listen, pray and God will get you your job back and God will give you, I, mean, I don't know, but, but here's what I do know. When it comes to the idea of God fighting for you and for me, listen to this, listen to this. God has already fought the battle for you. The biggest one of all. Do, do you recognize something that, that when it comes to the condition of your heart, you are utterly hopeless before God because of your sin, because of mine. What we deserve is to be absolutely decimated, obliterated. We deserve to have the armies descend on us and slay us where we stand in the sight of a perfect holy God, not a man, woman, or child among us measures up because of our sin. But you see, God loves us so much, he sent his son, Jesus, who went ahead of us, who fought the battle with sin that we could never win. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, which was the only way he would be the one who was able to take the sacrifice and have the right to take our debt on himself. And so Jesus died in your place so that you could be made right with God. Jesus took the wrath that you and I deserve on himself and he did it freely out of love for you and me. Jesus died so that you can be forgiven. And he rose from the dead so that you can have a new life in him. So that you can go from Jacob to Israel, so that you can be made a new person. And today, if you're sitting here and you would say that you don't know him, you can. You can.
And it starts simply by asking. So if you'd like to, to, to invite him into your life, if you would like to let him for the first time in your life fight the battle for you, I want you to pray with me. And let's watch what he does. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's what we're gonna pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. God, just as Jacob prayed and recognized that he had no right to ask anything of you, I do the same. I'm sorry for my sin. And I'm asking you, please have mercy on me. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. And I thank you for that. I believe you raised him from the dead so that I can begin a new life with you. So Lord, here's my life. Please do with it whatever you want. Come into it and show me how to walk with you, to lean on you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Bless you guys. See y'all next week. If you prayed with me real quick, grab a Connect card. Let us know that you did that so we can help you take your next steps. 10 years next Sunday. See you then.